0: Meditation is a word that we're all familiar with, but one maybe we don't tend to use as a daily routine. Personally, I've struggled to maintain a constant meditation practice due to life just simply getting in the way. But as a reminder in today's conversation, even more reason to make time. With reports from the Mental Health Foundation showing that 74% of UK adults have felt so stressed at some point over the last year, that they felt overwhelmed or unable to cope.
1: start having these like incredible experiences where everything just feels like ecstasy and you're just like sitting there with no thought in complete silence and stillness and feeling so like full of love you can also start yourself by just knowing a few of these breathing techniques don't make meditation another to-do list thing it's the opposite, like we're human beings, not human doings, and meditation is leaning into the beingness of it, not the doing of it. And the other thing people say is, I don't have enough time to meditate. I say like, if you don't have enough time to meditate, you are exactly the person that needs to be meditating.
0: Just last week, I read that the US Preventative Service Task Force, which is an independent panel of medical experts, urged all adults under 65 years of age to be screened for anxiety. And today, MRI scans are showing that after an eight-week course of mindfulness practice, the brain's fight-or-flight center the amygdala appears to shrink. The primal region of the brain associated with fear and emotion is involved in the initiation of the body's response to stress. We are joined today by Maud Hurst, who you may recognise from the TV series The Vikings or be familiar with by her recent work surrounding bespoke meditation to help improve our well-being physically and mentally. We kick off today's episode with a meditation. So if you're driving, do make sure you come back to that part when you're safely parked. Maud, welcome to Live Well, Be Well. Thank you so much for being here in my home. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. (laughs) I'm very excited and we're recording this at the beginning of the week. So a fantastic way to kick off because today we're going to be talking all about meditation, mindfulness, breathing everything that we all need to be integrating into our daily lives and definitely something that I talk about a lot because I believe in so much of the research but don't do so I'm very excited for you to start us off today with the meditation which I know we're going to do yes we are but before we do there's a question I want to ask you which I always open with all of my guests which is what have you changed your mind about in the last
1: 10 years wow that meditation is essential for well-being and so much so much more another thing I've changed my mind about is that we should not define ourselves through what we do but just who we are
0: I love that there's something that I know we're going to talk about which is purpose today and I think that comes so much into the conversation on what is our purpose and actually how do we define ourselves and what's important to us so before we start off our conversation and your journey into meditation can we start by doing a grounding meditation we practice. absolutely
1: can so get really comfortable put both feet on the floor if you can so you can ground down lengthen up through your spine and close your eyes take a few deep breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth slowly begin to switch your focus away from everything in the world around you. And just begin to notice your internal space. So notice your breath as it rises and falls. Noticing all of the sensations of your body. And then notice how you're feeling emotionally. And as you begin to feel how you're experiencing this moment, let go of all judgments, let go of expectations. And just allow yourself to be. And from here, beginning to come into a breath called coherent breathing, which is six seconds inhaling through the nose and six seconds exhaling through the nose. So when you're ready, exhale and inhale for one, two, three, four, five, six. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six. Inhale, two, three, four, five, six, And exhale, two, three, four, five, six. Inhaling, and exhaling, inhaling and exhale and continue with this breath and as you breathe relaxing the body this breath balances your nervous system so it's balancing the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system The most powerful breath to really bring you away from stress and into calm. As the breath slows down, feel the body softening. And in turn, the mind quietening down. Take one more breath. Sigh it out. Wiggle your fingers, wiggle your toes. And then whenever you're ready, just slowly flicker the eyes back open. Take a moment to readjust. How are you feeling?
0: Oh, I feel... Actually, I feel like I really needed that, (laughs) if I'm being honest. I feel... I actually totally forgot that we were recording them for one second. I feel like I should always start a podcast that way, even just for our audience to feel relaxed as they're listening.
1: Yeah, and it's just a moment to stop from the pace of everything that's always happening. There's a kind of pace of society, particularly at the moment, that's so fast. Taking literally like three minutes to stop, to breathe. It like centers you, grounds you, and also makes you really present in what you're doing rather than that like constant, what's next? What question do I have to ask? Or I'm listening to something, what else am I doing? Just be like, no, let's just be for a moment. What does that feel like? It is that just
0: be, isn't it? And I think that's the main thing around meditation is so many times we well maybe i'm speaking for myself personally but worry about not doing it correctly or having too much of a busy mind and actually it's not about stopping that it's actually just about being and allowing everything to stop for that moment yeah so thank you for starting off our podcast with a beautiful grounding meditation i'm gonna save that now and i can like re-listen to your voice in the morning on there on the podcast So before we get into, you know, all the benefits, the advantages, how we can meditate, what the barriers are, which I'm really excited to explore with you in today's episode, I'd love first of all just to talk about your journey, which is hugely inspiring from somebody coming also from a creative industry. You know, I really resonate with so much of the stress that being in a creative industry is and the pressures that come with it. So would you be able to just give me a bit of your background into the actor and well, I say the actor
1: or actress? I'm not sure actually what the right thing is to say. They say actor, but I'm like fine, fine with either.
0: Actor. Um, and your journey into, you know, where you are today.
1: Yeah. So from like the age of 10 i was acting and auditioning and went to a performing arts school and then started acting professionally when i was like 18 and did for 10 years and i loved it i was in a show called vikings which was amazing and a really big success and um, it was such an amazing thing to be part of and when it finished i also went through a really awful breakup really traumatizing I was in a house i had to like sell everything really quickly and got to a point where what was all on paper kind of perfect suddenly came crashing down and In that moment i was like i've got two choices either it's a really dark moment of my life which was it was in a way but there was also this like clean slate that i realized that i was like i haven't actually ever stopped i was approaching my 30s at that time and i was like i don't think i've ever stopped to figure out what makes me happy who i am at this point in my life because i'd done it for so long i'd identified so much as the actor um And so I took myself on like a cliche yoga retreat and like break up with my friends. And I was like, let's all go to this retreat. And the teacher was just brilliant. Like she was amazingly confident. She actually had worked in the music industry. So she was also a creative and she was so vulnerable. But with the vulnerability was like this huge amount of power. And I was like, I don't think I've seen that very often when someone can really talk about how they feel, be really vulnerable and still come across as like powerful because I think society makes us think that Emotions and vulnerability are weakness. Mm. So I was like, I'm kind of intrigued for that for myself because I was known as the "I'm fine" girl. Like I used to hold everything in, and everyone around me could see I was in turmoil. And they'd be like, "How are you, Maud?" I'd be like, "I'm I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I've got it all sorted." Um, so it was on this retreat that I started having these moments where I was like, "Oh, I'm not fine, and I'm actually okay to explore this." So I started doing more and more of my own practices, um, and then. The girl who did the retreat was like, "Just go and train in yoga because the training is really intense, but it 's like your own deep dive into your own practices so I did a an amazing yoga and meditation training, and on that training, I did not go to to teach it I just went for my own well being and it was just the most profoundly incredible experience of a group of people sitting around talking, exploring their own life experiences, the vulnerabilities the horrible parts, the good parts, and realizing like how similar we are and how healing it is to be able to understand yourself, to talk and use practices like meditation and yoga as like a soothing, healing thing. Mm. <clears throat> Took myself off to a 10-day silent meditation retreat after that, did Vipassana, which was, I feel everyone should do it once in their life. It was a very intense but brilliant thing, but it was in that experience that I was like, there is tricks in meditation and breath work that we should learn at school that could absolutely change the healthcare system, that could absolutely change how well we know ourselves and be able to kind of catch things before they get catastrophic, to be able to like know how we're feeling rather than hiding everything and thinking we should feel a certain way. So I started teaching. Like I came back and I was like, I've got to share little bits of, little nuggets that I learned that we can all do day to day in our very like short, attention spans that we have these days so then I yeah I set up my business and ever since I've just been championing meditation and breathwork particularly because I think they're two tools that are the game changers to mm. kind of bringing some calm amongst the chaos of our everyday life
0: gosh I think we all resonate with parts of that story in one way or another and I think for many women listening to this who are approaching their 30s or maybe in their 30s who feel that real loss of who am I, where am I going, maybe I'm not at the right place at the right time and maybe I've not, you know, got to these goals that I wanted to when I was 30, can feel so daunting for so many. Like, how did you deal with that? Because I think that's something that so many women go through but not very many women talk about.
1: I mean, meditation for me, or these practices and realising that another thing that meditation does is kind of give you time to sit and reflect and I think we think that society has all these pressures on us and so we all internalize that as our own pressure that we like we should be married we should be thinking about this we should and actually when you step away from that and breathe you're like do I actually want this right now like what is it that my soul or body is calling for right now and often it isn't what society expects of us so it was about like the way I kind of dealt with it was taking some time to pause and really analyze like what it was that I wanted and and having a moment to reflect on like let's separate societal pressure with myself and the more I did it the happier I became because you we are only on our own journeys we're not on like this collective journey and what's right for me probably isn't what's right for you or that 30 age thing is a scary thing but I also am 34 now like it's been the happiest time of my life post 30 because you kind of care less.
0: And I think that's something that you've obviously grasped your purpose within this. You've found something that which is really meaningful to you, even though the acting side looked really glamorous and really exciting and was probably huge adrenaline driven. You know, you probably woke up excited and I'm sure that you loved it because from what I know, you grew up in a creative household with your parents, were are both creatives. Yeah. That's right, in East London. And so you were probably around that energy and... Drawing away from that can be really difficult. It can be very difficult to identify, actually, although on paper this looks great, I'm going to go the other way. And it's a lot of courage to do that.
1: It's really scary, actually, to change career at any age. It is scary when, as you said, on the outside, the acting world was a glamorous thing, and people and society do respond in a certain way when you're an actor. And I was raised, actually, by my mum by herself, and she's an amazing artist. And so there was a lot of like creativity around, but actually taking the pressure off what I thought I should do or what other people expected me to do and for the first time being like I found what I want to do like I found what feels really nourishing to my soul and also what feels really needed right now it felt like this huge this is going to sound maybe cliche but like a coming home Mm -hmm. of being like the only thing I've ever done in my life where I took myself off to do all these trainings I sat down in for 10 hours a day in silence with myself and at the end of that there was just this really clear feeling that this is who I am. This isn't what society or family structures or anything expected of me or wanted from me. It's just really the thing that I feel passionate about sharing now.
0: Talk me through this silent retreat because I've had a few people that have done this and it's someone who's very talkative and I feel like, you know, love being around people. I think I would really struggle to not talk for 10 days.
1: Yeah, it's it's a big thing. Uh, That's why I did it because I'm a talker, I'm a connector, Mm. I love being in big social situations, and just any social situation, and I'm also around my family, so it's me, my mum, and my brother growing up, and my brother and my sister are hugely academic, my sister's a lecturer at university, and their voices are so powerful, and so brilliant, that I never trusted my own voice, and I was like, what happens if, like, there is no other voices around me, and it's just me, like, what, what is that internal dialogue happening, and how can I strengthen that, and so I went, And the thing I thought was gonna be the scariest, which was the 10 days of silence, became the easiest part of it. And that's what was so bizarre. It's like you get very used to being around people in silence, but it was the hard part is sitting for 10 hours a day with yourself. And physically it's demanding because you're up and down for 10 hours a day, but mainly seated in meditation for that long. And then it's just like understanding what comes up in your mind, your behavioral patterns, all of the like self-doubt and self-sabotage and then you start having these like incredible experiences where everything just feels like ecstasy and you're just like sitting there with no thought in complete silence and stillness and feeling so like full of love and connection and so you go on this huge roller coaster in those 10 days it's the most profound internal journey with yourself that I don't think you can get from any other kind of experience than doing 10 days of pure silence with yourself
0: but was there any point during it where you just wanted to scream because yeah. <laughs> i <was laughs> yeah. just like i need my voice to cuz i feel like sometimes if i stop speaking i can feel more anxious cuz i'm suppressing an I, I don't know how you'd even say it but that's how I feel like anxiety can manifest. This is why I'm really fascinated by it, by how actually you still work through that without using your
1: voice. I feel like you should definitely go on a Vipassana one yeah. day. Um, you do want to scream at times. You also want to run away and get the hell out of there because mm. you're like, oh my God, 10 days. And like you go through, again, it's like every day goes through its own roller coaster, And the first like four days are tough and then you have a breakthrough and then it gets tough again. And then the last few days are lovely. But like it, it is this, profoundly up and down experience where, yeah, you go through everything, you want to scream. I, in my head, decided that I was pregnant halfway through just because my mind was playing so many games. I was like, there's only one way I can get out of here. Must be pregnant. Let's just, (laughs) let's go. And it was like completely all made up in my mind because I was physically uncomfortable and not wanting to sit in the experience. And it's just amazing where your mind and what happens in those moments. And then you come out afterwards and you're like, oh, no, that was all my kind of excuses to try and leave. And then you stay with yourself And you feel so empowered afterwards. You're like, if I can survive this, the world's not that scary outside of these four walls.
0: But it just shows how powerful your mind is. Yeah. The narratives it can make up, the self-sabotage, as you said, all of these continuous words of self-doubt that your mind is so powerful in any given moment. And I guess that's something that I'm really grasping from, from what you learned.
1: Yeah. And I also wanted to say the last thing that was the most incredible. One, on the eighth night, so I'd been meditating for... 80 hours it was a long long period but I went to bed my whole body evaporated I went to sleep I could feel my body go to sleep and then I could feel myself go to sleep and I was still aware like I still had complete consciousness and I was like I'm not in my body I'm still kind of meditating I'm awake and asleep and I had this like amazing experience where I was just consciousness in that moment it was the most like amazing profound yeah experience
0: wow and so what age were you at this point?
1: 30, it did it just before lockdown. So it was t- the Christmas of 2019.
0: And so coming into your life now, you're with somebody. Yes. We're in a happy relationship. I think it's always quite nice to share the hope that's like where <laughs> you've come to, where you are now for so many young women listening. And now you have Energy Rise which is all centered around meditation, mindfulness, breath work. And so you really did do a deep dive into completely changing your career.
1: Yeah, yeah, I really did. And and I'm so glad I did because it keeps, as you said, like through lockdown, everyone was needing something, like a, a practice that calmed nervous system and everybody suddenly got interested in meditation for the first time so it was a really amazing space to be in where there was a toolkit that I had that could really like support people in a time where it was needed the most mm. um, and yeah a deep dive into my own journey and then a deep dive career change change in life and as you said meeting my my partner it's it's amazing when you do self-work how the external world around you changes as well
0: well I think that's what everyone says isn't it you have to kind of hate the cliche of heal yourself because I don't think you can ever truly heal yourself you're always on a continuous journey. But it's always actually when you feel security in yourself that actually then
1: manifests elsewhere. Yeah, it's uh, definitely in relationships I've learned that. And like I kept hearing everyone just say, you know, you need to heal all parts of yourself and you need to learn to self to be in like a deep self love. And I used to find the idea of it almost like it was all selfish to, to love yourself and that it was superficial and I've just experienced this understanding of it in a really different way, which is like accepting who you are, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. Mm-hmm. And the more practice I did with that, I was able to sharpen this relationship in such a different headspace and meet somebody who could handle all those parts of me and vice versa. And it's mm-hmm. become a definite truth for me that, like, that you can only be loved by other people to the depth that you love yourself.
0: How do you still manage? Because we all have these moments of self-doubt, worry so it's just a part of being human and we have really stressful lives but how do you deal with that today as opposed to how you would dealt with that five years ago so
1: so five years ago i would have sh- just shut it down and pretended it was all fine and just continued without mm. pausing and stopping And now I just allow some space whenever I feel really stressed and when things are kind of feeling overwhelming or or I get the kind of negative internal thoughts, instead of trying to push them away and ignore them, I've learned to go into them and to understand them. And so whether it's meditation or whether it's just me literally sitting and journaling, giving the space for whatever I feel to actually have a place to be there. And another phrase that I use all the time is that emotions are energy in motion and they want to move. And even, you know, science is... Also, backing this up, that actually things want to move through the body. We are naturally supposed to wait, like move the body when something traumatic comes, like dogs do. When, when something bad happens, they shake their body because it literally releases the trauma. We should be able to sit with the feelings that we have and allow them to be kind of processed in that moment, but we very rarely do. The thing that's changed for me is about stopping, pausing, being like, okay, I'm overwhelmed, okay, I'm feeling anxious what is that actual experience in my body? Let's break it down into the sensations, sit with it, and then it begins to move and shift. Mm. Um, so yeah, I can think the shift is stopping, pausing and feeling.
0: Honestly, when you're talking about that, I'm just thinking about all the burdens of chronic disease that we live in today. Mm. And so much, I think, is just, well, we know it's down to stress, as well as many other factors, obviously, you know, diet and exercise. and But stress is such a profound part of that. And actually the energy of keeping all that stress in and not releasing it actually does cause a lot of inflammation and is causing a rise in the burdens of chronic disease that we see today. And I think even just as you're saying, shaking can actually help move that energy through your body.
1: There's an incredible book called The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. And he talks about how Many experiences in our lives are held like trauma in the body. So whether it's something really huge that happens or even like an emotional breakup or whatever it is that we go through, your body holds all of it. So if you store it and you don't process it by not talking about it or not physically shaking it out, your body always holds it. And that is what causes stress and disease and all the things that actually manifest physically because we are holding on to all of these bits from our life that haven't yet been released. It's fascinating when you kind of look into the the science behind all of this stuff and the psychology behind it because it's not as difficult or scary as we think it is to release it, Mm. but we think we're so scared of it that we do the opposite and close down into it.
0: I have a great nutrition fact that may surprise you. Frozen vegetables can be more nutritious than fresh. For once, some good news. Once a vegetable is picked at harvest and it has traveled for nearly two to three days to reach our supermarket shelves, it can be depleted by nearly 70% of its nutritional content. Frozen veggies, however, lock in their nutritional content as soon as they're frozen. So check this out, fun fact number two. I have found a frozen plant-based meal which is not full of preservatives but is actually jam-packed with the real nutrient food and it delivers between 2 to 4 of your 5 a day. As GQ recently said, vegan or otherwise you'll be hard pushed to find a frozen meal that tastes quite as nice as all plants. They are not only good for you but they are great for the planet and they make your life quick and easy when it comes to meal times. If you order online via www.allplants.com and you use the code LWBW, you can get 25% off your order. The website is so flexible and you can either sign up to a subscription or just place a one-off order to fit around your schedule. So that code is LWBW and do make sure that you head online to check them out you or your health won't regret it. I was quite aware of it last week I don't know if you saw I popped on my my Instagram stories I go for my six month dental checkup and every time they're always like your teeth fine yep no fillings and this time I went and they were like you've actually cracked in the middle of all your teeth from the grinding so much wow. and that's obviously just down to the release of stress through my sleep so I'm not really even aware that I'm doing it but it's still there and it's still manifesting and it really just made me stop for a moment and be like wow although I don't feel chronically stressed all the time it's obviously underlining stress that's still there and it's a way of your body basically saying I'm trying to release this energy and it's going to come out through grinding of the teeth and I'm sure so many people listening to this podcast have a partner or then they themselves grind their teeth and all of that is 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 it, you know, an explosion of of stress?
1: Yeah, totally. And if we could meditate or just stop and pause for five, ten minutes every day and not let things build and build and build. So Mm. to the point where we almost are like numb to the experience of stress. And just like it's almost that's why meditation is called a practice, because it's something that if you can do like short things all the time it builds up your resistance to this stuff and this that like having like little moments where you stop and check in and be like, how do I actually feel? Because what my brain is telling me what I feel and what the physical experience is is often something really different. Mm. But somehow when you stop and pause, you actually begin to notice the like smaller sensations and you can catch things before they go chronic. Mm. It's like, oh hang on, there's something really not right happening. Maybe let's address that before it goes into burnout or whatever it is that manifests through you.
0: Yeah, and that's, I think, where so much of our attention is starting to resonate with, which is prevention. And if we can actually start preventing these things from happening, then we have a better chance of having healthier, stress-free lives, but maybe not stress-free, but a reduced stress life, rather than actually, it's one of those things when someone suffers with a mental health condition, they'll go and see a therapist, rather than actually thinking, maybe this is good for me to talk all the time, because it will actually help reduce that chronic stress outburst that's yeah. happening.
1: And the thing is, life never stops being stressful. As you said, it's not exactly. like we can be like, okay, if I meditate every day, I'll never feel stress again. It's actually having the tools and techniques that when you do feel stressed, you know how to help yourself come away from it. So it's never about changing a life to the point where you just sit in bliss unless you're actually the Buddha, which <laughs> very few people have achieved. <laughs> um, but that you can actually get just the toolkit there that's going to assist you for those moments where you do notice stress building.
0: Definitely. And I think that brings me on to my next question, which is demystifying meditation. Because I think 10 years ago when we were speaking about meditation or anyone who was speaking about meditation mm-hmm. that time ago, I always had this vision of like sitting cross-legged, feeling, you know, a deep sense of calmness and having to be in the right setting. And actually that's just not life. And nobody really has that type of life unless you are a Buddha or someone who lives in beautiful Bali and can go and sit on the shore and hear the waves but most of us live in urban jungles and we just don't have that type of life so how can we look at meditation that's more accessible like what types of meditation that maybe we can incorporate into our lives that suits us because there's not just one type of meditation there's hundreds
1: hundreds and hundreds and it's interesting that you brought this question up because i because i work in this field i hear so many people coming in with false beliefs about meditation and feeling that so much resistance to starting because I think on paper it's like, let's start and I need to just sit and quiet in my mind or I need to start and my mind already needs to be silent. When I first started, I was really skeptical. And because I came from a very like academic surroundings, I was like, I need to understand the science of what is happening to believe that something is happening. So I spoke to an amazing neuroscientist called Dr. Tamara Russell and was like, what? And she's a specialist in mindfulness. I was like, what is happening in the brain? Like, can we get to a place where the brain stops working for a moment so we can give it a pause and a rest? And she was like, absolutely not. Like, it's the brain is a thinking machine, it's what it's designed to do. What meditation is, is like a spring clean for the mind. So it goes through this different process where you sit and you get focused, whether it's on breathing or body scanning. Your mind inevitably wanders because we're human and the brain is doing that catching your brain wandering so saying inwardly to yourself oh I'm aware I'm thinking about the shopping list for next week again and then being like I'm going to redirect my mind into the breathing and it's that circular motion of meditation that that is meditation it's about like being in a process mind wandering catching mind wandering and then bringing it back And knowing that it's not about being in a silence, it's about retraining your mind to focus where you want it to go rather than where it naturally goes. And another thing is that meditation at its simplest form is a practice of being with yourself. It's not necessarily, although for many people it is a big spiritual practice, it it doesn't have to have any spiritual connotations. It it is literally five to ten minutes to an hour, however long you have, To just stop and be with yourself rather than the distractions of the external world. And whatever that brings up is what meditation is. It's just becoming aware.
0: It just sounds being very present. And it's that moment of, I think, so many of us resonate meditation with clearing the mind. And it's that clearing the mind, I think, that really frightens people because everyone has such a busy mind Mm -hmm. these days. We live in a, a chronic stress environment all the time. And it's trying to then feel, oh, maybe I'm not doing this right. So it's so easy to give up because you're thinking, well, there's no point in doing this if I can't do it right. And so actually understanding that it's not about that and it's actually just about trying to be present is, is I think, actually a really nice, accessible way to think about meditation. Yeah.
1: And you can't get it wrong. You really can't. Like, there isn't a wrong way to meditate. Meditation, every single time you practice it, the reason it's called a practice is because every time is different. Mm-hmm you sit with the good days, you sit with the bad days and you're just in every one that you're doing, whether it's a busy experience in the mind or a quiet experience in the mind, you're building up the resilience Mm -hmm. internally to be able to sit in sometimes discomfort, sometimes joy, sometimes sadness and be okay in that emotion. And then once the more okay you get with it and the more consistent you are with your practice, when the world outside of you gets really stressful, it's like you already have the resilience built up in you. So it doesn't feel that overwhelm that i used to feel that would many of us feel it lessens because you've already built up an experience of being able to sit in it
0: and i think that's really interesting because i think lots of times when we are in states of panic we go one as two ways to think or oh, maybe i'll meditate now and try and allow myself to feel calmer and then maybe it's not working Or we're so anxious that we become paralysed and actually we just will not even act towards thinking that we can do that for ourselves. And it's interesting that you talk about the resilience of building it up because when I was looking at some research for today, especially around meditation and what's the science saying currently, because I read last week actually that in the US, the Preventative Service Task Force, which is an independent panel of medical experts, urged all adults under 65 years to be screened for anxiety which was quite phenomenal. This came out last week. And then when I was looking at the research, I was thinking, well, how long do people have to meditate for you know, any effect happens or a change? Especially when talking about resilience. And some research showed that MRI scans showed that after an eight week course of mindfulness practice, the brain's vital flight center, the amygdala, appears to shrink. That fascinated me. And this is the primal region of the brain associated with fear and emotion it's involved in the initiation of the body's response to stress. So that's, you can actually see it having a huge effect. And I guess that showed it was after eight weeks. And I guess that links in with what you were saying around the resilience that actually, if we put in that time, it can help us longer term with stress rather than in that moment. Yeah.
1: Speaking about this before, that when you are really stressed, it's kind of when you can't be that still your body almost doesn't want to sit in it so if you can start practicing and dedicate eight weeks to doing little bits you are giving yourself a chance to get to a calmer state before it gets too much that when you feel stressed you already know the tool to use and another thing with stress and anxiety is sometimes they are the hardest things to sit with and it can be really helpful to use something like a breathing technique rather than thinking I just need to sit in stillness because stillness can feel physically uncomfortable in stress and anxiety because you feel all the feels and your body is feeling anxious and what is physically happening in your body with stress and anxiety is your breath just moves into your chest Um, everything gets a little bit tighter and when you restrict your breath you're not letting the oxygen go in and so it's triggering that fight or flight in the mind and then it spirals in this thing so once that's spiraled your breath gets shorter and shallow your blood pressure rises and so the way to counterbalance it is to change your breath. So if you can just think of one thing in those moments of stress, it's coherent breathing, which is what we did at the beginning, six seconds in and six seconds out. And if you do that for five minutes, your nervous system balances itself again. And so it's like this amazing super toolkit that we should all have learned at school that if you yeah, do it for five minutes when you're feeling super stressed, you are literally telling your body it is safe. You don't have to be in stress. You're, you're, the signal that you're giving your brain is I'm not stressed. I'm, I'm safe in this moment. And then all of that stuff rewires itself almost. Uh, and the brain signal, the breath, the heart rate, everything drops. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there's, so there's so many really quick, simple tools you can use that don't have to involve a four hour meditation practice as well.
0: And that's what makes it so accessible for people. Because when I was looking through your Instagram and on Energy Rise and your link tree, I was seeing there was loads of references towards anxiety, actually, which kind of made me think, oh, is it more centred around anxiety? But when we spoke, you just said, no, most of the people that I speak to are just suffering with anxieties. Now I've attuned my practices more to that, which I just, you know, don't find fascinating because I can see from these stats that we're seen to be in quite a chronic state. But this is what most people come to you about.
1: Is yeah, that true? absolutely. Most people are, are reporting some kind of anxiety or stress. I just did research this week. Actually, 74% of adults in the UK are suffering with some kind of anxiety or stress. Mm. Um, and there are simple ways that we really can change it. And I, that's why I feel so passionate to talk about particularly anxiety at the moment because it's we don't have the knowledge generally in society, to know how to deal with it other than going to the doctor and saying, like, help me, and often medication can be given. But what if there's this other thing that you can empower yourself by just learning to meditate, learning to breathe, particularly the breathing, because it's not, it's so practical. It's nothing, like, outside of the norm to do. On the way to work... On public transport, I often put headphones in, change my breath and you turn up to work feeling so different. If any kind of stressful situation, a job interview, going back to family for holiday times, like things that everybody gets a moment of stress about, change your breath and you completely change how you feel.
0: And it's accessible because it's not expensive. It's free. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's a free tool. A lot of people go to apps and can feel a bit deflated if they don't work with them. And so I think that's why I really want to explore with you like what are the different tools or apps or courses or just general techniques. Because you've mentioned a couple, which is visualization, breathing. But I know body scans quite a big one for you and people might not be aware of what that is. But Theta Stay, there's so many different ones that I know you really shine in and people might never have heard of.
1: Yeah, never get put off a first-time experience that doesn't resonate with you. I think we're so... Built, we're built so differently. What works for each of us will be so different. And particularly with meditation, I think it's such a personal journey that you have to down to somebody's voice. Like somebody can get so triggered with some of the voices on some of the really well known meditation apps and they don't like the voice. And so they're like, I'm more anxious from <laughs> listening to that than I was before. And so just know that, again, not only are there different techniques, but there's different voices, there's different people that you can connect to but yeah absolutely i particularly work with body scanning which is what you learn to do in the vipassana 10-day retreat where you literally from the top of your head just scan all the way down through each part of the body and explore what you can feel like what sensations you feel through the body Mm. all the way down to your feet and then all the way back up and that's a really helpful one to stay present with counting your breath is a really helpful one and then i do work with the theta brainwave a lot which is that place that you go to between asleep and awake. So like when you just wake up in the morning and you're a little bit dreamy, you're conscious, but you're almost in the subconscious still. And I love to guide people into that space. It's a really healing place to get to. It's like you go above thought because your mind rests, but you're Mm. still aware that you're in a practice. You're still aware that something is happening. And I get people there through visualizations and kind of getting it's almost storytelling but I do it through visuals um and I can really tell when people sink into a very deep state of the theatre because they come out and it's almost like you've had a three-hour power nap in in 20 minutes it's a really beautiful easy accessible meditation
0: I guess that's one a good one to do in the afternoon if you're feeling exhausted I've heard this a lot of people saying when I um did a four-week course in um transcendental meditation she was always saying actually it's deeper than sleep you actually feel rejuvenated when you come out of meditation but it's also quite hard to grasp that unless you've gone through that sink of actually feeling that you are rested because normally you think well I just want to have a quick power nap that might be better but I think actually knowing that it is as deep as sleep is is quite powerful.
1: The science is definitely catching up on that now they're realizing Mm. that your body goes into getting all the benefits and I, I talk about this a lot with people that struggle with sleep that part of the reason we struggle with sleep is because we get obsessed with the falling to sleep and you can't force yourself to sleep, you have to fall into it. Mm. And so a really lovely way to readdress that is to realize that you don't actually need to be asleep for your body to reset, you can actually go into a deep relaxation or a deep meditation and know that you are actually getting all of those same benefits, both for your mind and your body. So I often do yoga nidra, which is you, each part of the body, you kind of name it in your head and as you do, you relax the muscles and then by the time you've got to your head, I start at my toes and then you're normally asleep by the time you get to your head. But even if you're not, you're so deeply relaxed that your whole system is getting a reboot.
0: Oh, wow. That's a top tip there for anyone who's struggling to sleep. Yeah. Or, you know, I think sometimes when we're all working quite late and maybe we're not switching off and we've got our screens on, it can actually be really hard to detach and think, now I'm going to go to bed because we have so many things that are geared to keeping us awake. Even from our lights on the inside, or yeah, our phones, whatever it is, we're so keyed to actually feeling constantly on. Yeah. So that's a really good one, I guess, to switch off to.
1: We're programmed for like 15 seconds at the moment. Apparently, is where our attention span is heading towards. So it's so it's so important to have moments of like peace to try and bring our attention span back. I don't mm-hmm. want to be in a world where everything is literally like shiny, something shiny, something shiny. I kind of want to be in a place where I choose. What I'm excited about rather than feeling overly stimulated all the time, which I think leads into this feeling of anxiety because we're so drawn to so many things. It's like, how do you make a decision when there's a million things to choose from?
0: The biggest thing, especially when you're in that state of overstimulation, is actually making this a habit. Yeah. Because so many times, and I will put my hands up, I mean, I am one of these people who says, yes, it's really important and I'll do it, but I'll do it when I like doing it as opposed to making this a habit like cleaning my teeth every day I don't think about because it's part of my habitual routine and I would never dare of not thinking cleaning my teeth for three days but with meditation I think so many people still struggle to incorporate even if it's for a few minutes a day into their routine. so what advice do you have for anyone
1: listening to this, try and get this into their habitual routine, like cleaning their teeth? It starts small. Five or 10 minutes is all it takes. And it takes 21 days to create a habit. So you almost have to suck it up for 21 days and just be Mm. like, right, I have to change what I'm doing for these 21 days to know that it will then become part of the habit. But first thing in the morning is really good because you kind of catch yourself before you even get out of bed. Don't shift from that state into then getting up as soon as you're up you're on your screen you're, you're back into your old routine so integrating it as part of your like waking up process can be a really helpful one as I say break it down so it just it can be five minutes mm. it can be that simple to just breathe deeply check in with yourself I've actually started a new practice in the last few weeks with my members which is just a morning check-in one word where before you get out of bed you just pause close your eyes and just say to yourself like, how do I feel in this moment and you just give yourself that those few seconds to name the feeling rather than enter into the world in that unconscious stress and anxiety that we do. If you've named it, if you're like, oh, I feel a bit tired today, I feel stressed or confused, you can then start to change it and, mm. and kind of work your day differently around the feeling that you have.
0: I think that's a really big thing, isn't it? Actually, the first thing you do, I think many of us end up looking at our phones. Yeah. And if you see a bad email or something on instagram that can trigger a negative response you then automatically feel quite alert and worried about it whereas actually for tuning into how you're feeling you're kind of giving yourself a protective shield to go into the day
1: put your phone in the other room that's the other thing i've really learned it's so hard to do and it's it's become an addiction that so many of us don't realize that it's Mm. that first thing that sometimes you're on it and you're like i do not remember the conscious thought of picking that up or even like i'm on instagram and then i'm off instagram then i'm on it and i was like what just happened? There was mm-hmm. some complete unconscious thing that was happening. So training that to be like, that's in a different room. You can still buy alarm clocks. You can still, you know, have your phone on loud in case there's an emergency call in the other room, but don't have it in a space that it becomes habitual without you realising. Give yourself space to wake up calmly and to check in because you otherwise you are already in that really fast societal pace rather than your own mm-hmm. calm internal pace.
0: And then... Another thing that I think, you know, just listening to this conversation all about the different types of meditation, what is the difference between meditation and mindfulness?
1: So mindfulness is the overall bracket for lots of different practices that get you present. So you can be mindful in washing the dishes, you can be mindful when you're brushing your teeth. Mindfulness is the practice of instead of doing something unconsciously and thinking about 15 other things, you're doing it knowing like you're when you're brushing your teeth you feel every brush that you're doing if you're out walking in nature you're actually like feeling your feet on the floor looking out at the colors and noticing so that is like mindfulness is the practice of getting present meditation is encompassed in the mindfulness word but it is the practice of going inwards being seated or lying down depending how you like to practice and switching that focus completely in and being with yourself
0: it's interesting because I see both of those terminologies being spoken about a lot, but the distinguishing between the two isn't as clear. And then you kind of have breath work along the side of that. And then you think, well, which one am I meant to be doing? So for anyone listening to this saying, okay, well, this is really inspiring. I actually want to feel way more grounded. I mean, I'm sure everyone listening to this at one point is going, that's how I really want to feel. Where would you say to people, where can they begin? Like, where do they choose? Where can they start
1: exploring these things? Start with breath work because it is the easiest thing to have, and I think I've touched on this already, but it's that it, when it's so practical, you don't have to feel like it's something really overwhelming and, and scary to do. A couple of breaths that I always get people to start with is coherent breathing that I've mentioned, mountain breath, which is four seconds in and six seconds out. It completely calms the nervous system, so it's a really, if you are feeling anxious, that one's a great one because it, extending your exhale, it really brings you calm, grounded. There's so many different accounts to, to head people towards. I've got an app, Energy Rise, which is 10-minute meditations, which is a really good place to start because you can do that anywhere that you are on the go. There's amazing practitioners. There's meditation classes through, throughout London. We're in a really exciting time where there is a lot, so it can feel overwhelming, but know that you can also start yourself by just knowing a few of these breathing techniques.
0: Mm. And I think that's really important, isn't it? It's actually just... I guess, trying to integrate it into your day in the morning and then maybe trying to stay to that next phase rather than trying to do it all at once and feel overwhelmed. Because it's quite interesting. I've (laughs) read some research shows people get overwhelmed from meditation because they're trying to do everything at once. And I'm kind of thinking that might be the the opposite of what we're trying to achieve is trying to make sure we're doing it correctly.
1: And do all of it. And do all of it at once. The the other thing I always say to my members is don't make meditation another to-do list thing. It's the opposite. Like we're human beings, not human doings. And meditation is leaning into the beingness of it, not the doing of it. And so it's the opposite of people. And the other thing people say is, I don't have enough time to meditate. say, If you don't have enough time to meditate, you are exactly the person that needs to be meditating. Because meditation brings you more time. If you set up the foundation of your day calm... And then you head into your workday, you find that you get much more structure, your mind is clearer, you know what feels important and what feels annoying, like you kind of just get a different structure. If you jump straight into your day and you're already anxious, you try and do everything and actually you're much less productive. So if you are particularly feeling like you have no time, definitely meditate because giving yourself those 10 minutes in the morning can completely give you hours back in your day because you're much more structured and practical in the way that you approach things
0: from that from that knowledge of having more productivity more creativity more clearer thoughts the space that you're in now do you ever see yourself going back into the acting world do you ever see yourself leaning back into that or are you now actually no this is my journey and this is my path
1: I get asked it a lot and I think I would never say no to anything now because, I mean, I would say no to things, but I wouldn't say that anything's in the past and wouldn't necessarily come up again in in the future for me. Right now, meditation is absolutely where my focus is. And I feel so passionate about it being something that the world needs. But I'd love to maybe go back into acting one day with the meditation background that I have and how Mm. different and calming and amazing it could feel to be creative with this calm environment because I certainly was not there when I was actually acting and I also have stopped defining myself through what I do now and I just define myself as Maud who does all the things that I love doing and that's been the most liberating part of my journey to be like I don't need to tell people that I am an actor I'm not an actor I'm just Maud that meditates
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that and I think that is it's so true like shaking that that le- I resonate with that a lot just from coming from the modelling industry and then studying as a nutritionist and then having a podcast and having a charity. You of just go, but I don't have to be defined by one thing. There's so many facets of things that interest me and although they are quite far apart, that doesn't mean that you actually can't string them together. And I think so many of us get stuck with, with labels and, and whether it's our job or our sexuality or whoever we are and it's actually really liberating just to strip that free.
1: Yes. How much of the world is accessible to you when you let go of the mm. structure of it all, right? If you just say, I, "I'm just going to keep trying all these no- new things," and also meditations taught me to like explore many different things and be kind of open to where the unexpected takes you. Mm. Stop feeling like I've said once in my life that I was going to do this, and I made that choice with acting when I was 10 years old. Like I, I changed a lot in those 20 years before I got to 30. And it was such a liberating thing to be like, even my friends and family were like, what are you doing? Like, you're acting right now. It's like, why would you start again? And I just felt this pull that actually this was the first time I'd listened to myself. And I was like, this is empowering actually to try something new and to experiment.
0: So that leads me to my final question, which is um,
1: Maud, what does live well, be well mean to you? Live well, be well means knowing yourself, Knowing your behavioral patterns and having an internal toolkit that you can go to that supports your well being. I love that toolkit. What's in your toolkit? Breathwork, meditation, rest never did that before and I got sick last week with the autumn cold and my old self would have been like I can't be ill I don't like this I'm gonna keep busy and I was like listen to what you teach I just like slept for two days and then things move quicker so rest is definitely in there and exploring like being excited by the world rather than limited by things so by letting go of that control of all the little bits it's suddenly like oh it's quite liberating I can I can just do this today, and tomorrow I can do something else. Yeah, so a nice journey to be on.
0: It is. For anyone listening to this, she's like, where can I go and find more about meditation? More. What's your handles? And please give all the information for Energy Rise.
1: So Instagram, I'm at Maudhurst. Hurst. Um, Energy Rise is energyrise.co.uk. I have a members club for The Mind, which is the most beautiful community. We meet online every week to do group check-ins, meditation, yoga, and then do retreats in person as well, which has been amazing. Uh, I have a a meditation app called Energy Rise. Um, And yeah, growing... In all ways, meditation, new things will be popping up. Um, But for now, yeah, the Members Club for the Mind and my meditation app are the best places to start.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Live Well, Be Well. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did please can I ask one huge favour if you could subscribe share and rate this podcast it would mean an immense amount to me and all the fantastic guests who come on to share their expertise and knowledge with us it will keep this podcast growing and it will allow us to continue making episodes until next week I hope you all live well and be well